Welcome to the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast with psychologist Dr. Doreen Downing. Listen in as Doreen interviews people who felt they didn't have a voice or who suffered extreme speaking anxiety. You'll hear stories about how they struggled to speak up, what they did to find their authentic voice, and the confidence they now feel to speak up and make an impact. If you want to get started right away to find your voice, download Doreen's free 7-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. And now, here is Doreen. Hi, this is Dr. Doreen Downing. I'm a psychologist and I host this podcast, Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. And what I do is invite guests who are willing to, you might say, unzip and share the real journey that they had in finding their voice. I mean, we aren't all born with a voice, right? So how do we come to know who we really are and have the confidence to speak up and speak out? And it's a journey. Life is a journey. So that's what we get to listen to is guests who are able to articulate for us the best they can and from my questions and our interaction Uh, what their journey was. So I've met Mary on some networking events, and I'd like to say hello first to you, Mary. I'm just beaming from ear to ear because I've wanted to spend more personal time with you. Thank you. Great to be here. Yes. Well, I've got a bio, so I'm going to read it so that people at least get a sense of who you are now before we go to who you were then. (laughs) Mary is a respected, trusted executive coach with 20 years of experience who focuses on results and ROI. Return on investment is what that means for our listeners. Recognized as an enterprise-wide partner who has coached leaders and teams in 17 industries, authored a book about negotiation strategies, acquired a certification in brain science, neuroscience, and is a former member of the faculty staff at the Wharton School of Business. That's in uh, Pennsylvania, the University of Pennsylvania. Her experience translates into confidence and momentum toward outcomes and goals. This is just so good to read because... Uh, obviously you've uh, been out there accomplishing, but let me also, there's one more paragraph. With earned reputation and skill, she has spearheaded alignment between individual contributors and executives and has facilitated resolution of, ooh, sensitive, (laughs) facilitated resolution of sensitive, high stakes, critical business situations. Wow, Mary. I mean, that that just really already shows your uh, sensitivity, your listening skills to be able to go into what you call high stakes. Yeah. So, hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. You, you have an elegant way of um, creating a space. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I, you know, I just delight in shining the light on you and, um, making it safe for you to talk about what your life has been like. And like I said earlier today, that it wasn't all, it wasn't just handed to you and you start popping out and going, hey, life. (laughs) So 
that's where I like to start because I know nothing about your history, know nothing about where you grew up and your family and what sibling you were and, you know, what what yeah. were you surrounded by when you arrived in this world? So why don't we just start there? Well, buckle up, Doreen. <laughs> yeah. um, I only began to share this um, in a in a public way uh, about five and a half months ago. Um, and it's a good story, and it's a different story, and it has everything to do with the bio that you read, because that's a kind of a manifestation of um, uh, points of origin that were the kernels that then became what has been a really remarkable uh, journey. So the the beginning of a lot of this, mm-hmm. um, sort of the courage to stand up, speak out, um, and to work with other people and teams in in organizations, a lot of it in the energy industry, um, was born at the age of 11, yours truly, 11 years old. So if you were to close your eyes for a nanosecond. I will right now. (laughs) Um, I uh, was with my mother and my older sister in Vienna, Austria. And my mother had was Austrian and um, American. She had left Austria after the occupation of Austria by the Nazis. Um, she had been a student at the University of Vienna, and um, that came to a quick end. And um, she had she was one of six, and uh, her eldest brother was a prisoner of war. Um, in the resistance, uh, and she tried to find him, rescue him, um, tried to make her own way at university. All of that came to naught, and she had what is called in German, uh, Wanderlust. She had a spirit of adventure and travel and a lot of curiosity, and so she left and and uh, came to the United States, married, um, and long story short, um, divorced and decided to reassimilate in Austria. And it didn't work because mm-hmm. the country had changed, the times had changed, the environment that she knew and loved had changed, and her family was somewhat disappointed in her for having left. And so there was not a connection or a safety net that was available. So at the age of 11, um, my mother uh, became destitute and went to the American embassy to the consulate. And this was a Friday before the following Monday when we were going to return to the U.S. in the care of the government. And all the arrangements had been made in a meeting with a consular officer. She and my sister and I left that meeting, and it was about noontime on a weekday, of course. And um, Doreen, as 
as I, as the final member of the family, was making my way up the trolley steps, the red and white trolley steps that we were boarding to get back to our hotel, something like an electric bolt went through me, figuratively speaking. Mm -hmm. And I knew I had to let go of that trolley handle and I had to walk back to the consulate to say that I wanted to have a new family and I wanted to have a new beginning. Um, And I wanted to create something that was my vision for how to live a life, a good life. And so I, I, before the doors closed, I yelled to my mother and uh, said, I'll meet you back at the hotel. Got my gumption up and went through the vocabulary, the German vocabulary that involves where is the American embassy? (laughs) And, um, you know, thank you and, and all the rest of what I was communicating. And so I did that. I made my way back. And of course, I got there and they were closed for lunch. So the Marine Guard had me wait um, in a vestibule and I was looked after by the person who was our consular officer, uh, his right-hand person, uh, executive person. And, um, and I played my case and I said, I want to go back to school. I don't want to go back to the U.S. right now. Um, and I want a new family. And there is no negotiating. There is, this is what has to happen. This is really quite uh, un. Uh, ambiguous. It's really important. And he tried to reason with this 11-year-old who was like dangling her feet, you know, couldn't reach the floor on this big leather chair that, you know, we have seen Lily Tomlin in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, And he finally looked at me and he said, you know, our family is going to be going on a ski weekend. I'll call my wife and ask if there's room for one more. The answer was yes. So a a permission slip was crafted on letterhead for the American consulate and uh, messengered over to my mother to sign. And I went with this family on their ski weekend. And that weekend, I played my case to stay. And I was able to get my point across. So I negotiated (laughs) my case and did so with a great deal of conviction. And um, they had three children. Um, They were um, uh, two girls and and one boy. And um, so by the end of that weekend, I had convinced them to draft another letter to my mother to gain permission to let me remain in Vienna while she and my sister returned to the U.S. So that was the beginning of my negotiation career, my official (laughs) negotiation career. So long story short, my father, mother and father had been divorced. My father was a bit incensed that a diplomat was taking care of his daughter. And so he insisted uh, that I returned to the U.S. with him, and I had to. There was no legal recourse. And so um, 
had a new passport made uh, immediately. Fortunately, I was on the right hands to have that done rather efficiently. And I negotiated with my father to let me go back to my mother because she would let me return to Vienna. And so I did that. So your mother and father were not together? They were not, no. Okay. And first of all, I just want to go take a big breath and just have this image of you at that age finding, and you used the word conviction several times. I, I really think that's loud and clear, the learning, but you had to have that. <laughs> you, you, that was probably one of your gifts that you came into this world with a sense of conviction. So I'm, I'm saying thank God for, for that for you. And the other thing is, okay, so we have this little girl who, who knows something like uh, getting ready to board that uh, bus, but something really, my body even feels the, the, the kind of power of knowing. So I'm thinking, it's helping me go, well, so Mary, what? why didn't you want to be with your mother? Why didn't you want to be going with her back to the United States? What, yeah. what was going on there that? Well, you, you know, what I was, yeah, what I was witnessing was the impact of the war had never ended. She lost her sense of spirit oh. and a lot of her sense of will to live in many ways. Her voice evaporated. And I would have nothing. I couldn't change it. I tried. I couldn't change it. And I wanted to have a voice and make an impact, given what I had seen and witnessed. And it was completely um, about not abandoning a mother, but claiming a life. Oh, that's a great distinction. Not abandoning a mother and the mother, the mother. (laughs) Your mother, the mother, in this case, um, sounded like uh, she was depressed. She was suffering from a complete kind of breaking down. And uh, the war that that was a powerful statement, what you said, the war never ended for her. Correct. Correct. And here she is trying to escape and go back to the United States. But, yeah, she would have carried that that kind of, I guess, attitude and that way of being. Right. Um, so, but your father came in, stepped in and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and was yeah. he already back in the United States and said you had to come? Or Well, he he was not with us. Uh, he, he uh, when we were in Vienna, he was in the U.S. and my mother and father divorced and separated and divorced. Um, and, you know, ironically, I think more than anything, it was his sense of pride. And I don't know, maybe, uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to cast too many aspersions, but uh, his pride was bruised by the thought that the diplomat, that I was in the care of, of the diplomat. Mm-hmm. and. Um, So um, the irony with all of this is by using my voice, I was actually the target for his anger, for my sister's anger, and ultimately the children and the family that I went to be with. Because um, having a voice has has a power to it. And as a child, you do what you can with that voice. So a little bit more of the story, and then I'm going to bring it up to date, if that's okay with you. Yeah, just um, 
let me kind of absorb what I've been listening to and what you just said, which feels like it's real relevant, is the fact that um, we don't often have a voice as younger people. And you're saying, hey, I had a voice and I used it. And look at the consequence. You know, other people got angry and uh, maybe jealous or whatever their reaction. So you so we can see why people don't step up at 11 years old to have a voice because of the consequence. I think I just wanted to clarify that for our listeners. Yeah. Okay. Well, move on then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. That was a, that was a beautiful way to put it. Thank you, Doreen. Um, So I did return to the U S I convinced my father to let me return to my mother who was living in the U S for a year because there was a custody question at that point Mm. that came up. And within that year, I worked diligently, academically, and then alone, I returned to Austria. um, And um, I wanted to prove that I was worthy of being adopted. So I negotiated with the principal at the international school in Vienna to let me go to two grades in one year so that I could prove my worth and my value. Mm. And um, it was hard. It was very hard. It was a a very competitive academic environment. Um, So I'd be up at five and I would go to bed at about midnight or one o'clock and every day, every day. And um, you mean Saturday and Sunday? Every day, every day is what you said. Okay. Every day. And um, and I often had stomach pains because of nerves. And so one of my best friends became the nurse for the school. And at lunchtime, I would talk with her and lay down for a few minutes, eat something and go back to class. Mm-hmm. Her name was Ingrid. Uh, prized part of the jewel in the crown of that school at that time. And um, and then at the end of the year, my father insisted that I return to him. So I could not negotiate that away. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the thing that I learned, number of things. Um, one, that in the 11-year-old mind, there's a fair amount of black and white. Um, and so you can negotiate, and that means ambiguity typically. and um, to process the what felt like at the 11, 12-year-old, 13-year-old point um, as a failure for not having been able to convince the family that two grades in one year with straight A's would be enough to have gained entry um, and to not take the father taking me, insisting that I return back to him. Um, overly to heart, but see it as a fact of the matter. It, it's hard for an 11 year old to do that. It's hard for an adult to do that, let alone 11 year old. Yeah, there's a lot of power dynamics too. Right. Um, but I just want to go back to your your uh, determination and what it took to get through that that year of school and the perseverance, I guess, is what's also I'm picking up in your in your being. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Doreen. Um, 
So if you fast forward, um, I was with my father. My father had, he was in intelligence and he had an assignment in Korea. And I negotiated with him to stay behind with friends. Mm -hmm. And I did that. I um, did well in school. And during that time, the family that I lived with in Vienna returned to the U.S. as part of their diplomatic tour. And um, they wrote to every friend's boarding school in the country uh, and um, indicated that I would be someone that would add to the community. And I was given a two-thirds scholarship um, by some of the leading schools. And I went on the interview rounds while my father was away. I went during spring break um, and uh, was accepted at um, a number of them. And I ended up in the Washington, D.C. area with a scholarship. And um, the thing that was very, very persistent for me was the negotiation piece, which I is one of the pillars in the work I do now, and also brain science. Um, I went to college and, and had four disciplines. Um, I studied four disciplines, and um, it was an applied neuroscience degree. And so it was biology, it was psychology, it was psychosocial, um, and anthropology, and it was ethics all combined. Oh, wonderful. I love all those subjects. I dabbled in each one, too. I understand just the, you know, a little bit of you that must have gotten some wanderlust yeah. <laughs> because of the adventurous, what it takes to go into some of those fields is like curiosity and what is it and learning. And it's it's a, a field, those fields are just they're expansive and they're deep and there's so much. Well, right. wonderful. That's good to learn about you. Yeah. Well, the, the part I'm really grateful for, and thank you, Doreen, um, is that I had a very active appetite for understanding biochemically what the impact of some of the events were, not only from the age of 11, but how family history the impact of World War II, the impact of the Nazi occupation of Austria, the impact of a father with the dynamics that occurred there, and then with a second family and the kind of resentment from the children and the family. And so began in college, and actually before college, a real desire to understand the brain and the biochemical underpinnings that are at play. So in the work I do today, um, I kind of take the raw material of an individual who is either a high potential or a leader in their own right at the executive level or the board level, and I amp it up exponentially by incorporating brain science, looking at the what's pushing forward for them in a way that works in alignment and what's holding them back. And then how might they negotiate the difference? And I advocate for them directly and indirectly. In the when, when you say negotiate the difference, it sounds almost like you're talking about inside of their own Correct. experience. Right. Huh. Right. So I have about whatever, 14 or 15 certifications about, you know, um, 
Each one is about a year to a half a year. Uh, and it's all in the service of supporting um, individuals and teams in breaking through barriers that sometimes are self-imposed and sometimes they're part of a system and it's an unhealthy kind of connection to an individual style. And the negotiation piece is that word that you used, which is to expand the possibility for how they might want to react given what they could learn about the brain in pragmatic terms. Oh, wow. This is so beautifully complex. And you're able to dance in all that complexity. And also, it, it not just dance in it and understand it, but it feels like that's what your job now is, is to help people wake up to what's going on, not only inside of themselves is what I heard, but also whatever environment, whatever right. team or whatever corporation or whatever the business is, it feels like it's happening all around them, but the, it's also happening within them. And you could go, I see you. <laughs> I see your situation. <laughs> right, right, right. And you're not going to believe the coincidence here, but my tagline in the work I do and on the website is quiet the noise and amplify your voice. Oh, <laughs> we are connected. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that is so powerful. Yeah. Amplify your voice, the voice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, what we're coming near the end, and I just feel like we've only opened the door to our 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 friendship. Is there what anything else you want to say about your story and finding voice? And well, I I feel strongly about encouraging clients to find the voice that is the sustainable voice. Um, maybe not just the ego-driven voice, but the sustainable voice that includes others and can be um, a voice for um, uplifting and empowering. Um, and ironically, I've worked in the energy industry for about 20 years. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, there's, there's a bit of irony there, but, um, or and, I think that it's a journey to uncover the voice, and it starts with recognizing the little spark that might be in a situation that might represent insight and a little bit of enlivening. And that spark, when cultivated, can turn into the voice of a person who can really make a difference in that development or cultivation of potential around voice has been my mission. Mm -hmm. I love the word you use, enlivening. <laughs> that in itself feels like it it uh, wakes us up and say, helps us say yes to whatever it is that you can guide us to. And right now, what you just said, it, it just said, oh, we've come full circle because you talked about that bolt that energetic bolt early on at 11 when you went ah, and you paid attention to it. And that's what you're helping people pay attention to nowadays is those sparks. And 
to uh, learn to, I guess, observe themselves in such a way that they they can recognize it. Right. Be their own best advocate. Yes. Ooh. Well, how do people find you? Let's go there. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Mary B. Simon. Um, my website, uh, Mary B. Simon and Associates, um, are the two best ways. Uh, and I would be delighted to connect with people via LinkedIn. Um, I uh, am writing a second book. It's going to be the memoir that's mm-hmm. been in gestation. Mm-hmm. Um, the family is still in my life. Uh, the father is 92, and I go to see him in Seattle. I'm in Philadelphia. I see him about four times a year to help him. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I, I am open to connecting and welcome uh, probably more than anything through LinkedIn. All right. That's wonderful. And we will put that in the show notes so people can uh, link to your LinkedIn, <laughs> link to you in LinkedIn. All right. All right, Mary. Well, I hate to say goodbye, but it's only for now. And I really so appreciate. And if people could see you, only those who are listening, you've got such a radiant smile. And it just Mm. feels like you've just got so much um, inner freedom that feels like you uh, have inside. And this voice, Amplify Your Voice, feels like the message that people will take today. And that just so right in line with what I'm doing. Thank you so much. Thank you for the beautiful work you do, Dory. Thank you for being with us today for this episode of Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. Each person during interviews shares what has helped them find their voice. You can learn from these guests and find your voice so you can be confident to speak up and speak out. And remember to download Doreen's free seven-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll return next time. Until then, goodbye for now.